Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. As you can see, struggling a little bit with the voice today. So I'm going to try to push through. I'm going to try to push through for you because it was a beautiful morning. It was a beautiful night watching the San Francisco 49ers lose the Super Bowl. So I was thinking, man, do I... Do I just tell Xander I'm not going to be able to go because my my voice is is really, really struggling? But I just couldn't do it. I got, got to come on and talk about the San Francisco 49ers because it couldn't happen to a better team. It couldn't happen to a better fan base to watch them lose in the miserable, devastating fashion that they lost in. And I absolutely loved every second of it. And I was on the air all weekend on 97.5. And I was talking about, as Philadelphia fans, I don't see how we could ever not root against the San Francisco 49ers. After everything that they have said about this team over the last year, after all of the whining and complaining over the last year, and then... Even still, this past week, they couldn't stop with the excuses, the soft feel. And then you have Nick Bosa talking about the fire alarm in the hotel, and he's got to make it about Philadelphia. Has to bring it back. Oh, well, they were doing construction outside of my hotel room before the NFC Championship game in Philly, too. They just couldn't stop whining and complaining And it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful to watch them lose in the devastating fashion that they did. And I know maybe that makes me a little bit petty, taking joy in it, but I don't care. I'll be petty today because I loved it. And I see a lot of my Power Hour crew in the chat checking in. We're live on the Jacob Sports Network. We're also live across all my social media platforms. We're live here on TikTok as well. And we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about the Super Bowl. We also have to talk about Hassan Reddick and it being reported that he was given permission to seek a trade. If you follow me, you follow this show or you follow me on social media, this should not come as a surprise to you. I posted a video on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube 11 days ago saying that everyone's worried about A.J. Brown being traded. The person to worry about is Hassan Reddick. We talked about it on the Philly Sports Power Hour. This isn't a shock to me. You look at his contract, and there was no way he was coming back under that deal. Now, I don't think them giving him permission to seek a trade is a foregone conclusion, 
that Reddick won't be back. But he wants a new deal. The Eagles don't want to pay him under the current deal because it's a $21 million cap hit. So they need to talk about, well, what is a fair market value? And if he wants to be paid like Miles Garrett or TJ Watt, who make over $25 million a year, Eagles aren't going to do it. But we'll talk more about that. <laughs> We're also going to talk a little bit about Jason Kelsey. Because I think we got some indication as how he is leaning with regard to retirement. And I've given you my position on it. And then we'll do a little Sixers, a little Flyers. And we'll end with some today in sports history like we always do. But let me get a little bit of a roll call in the chat. I see SoCal on TikTok. <clears throat> and again, I'm, I'm struggling with the voice today, guys. I'm pushing through. <clears throat> pushing through for you. And because I just want to gloat about 49ers losing. But let's see who we got. Wine Niners wine in the house. Teresa Pascarello. What a Super Bowl last night, Teresa says. And I agree. It was quite a Super Bowl last night. And I know some people were complaining early about that Super Bowl, saying it was a boring Super Bowl. I loved it. It was exactly what I thought you were going to see, a defensive battle between two really good defenses in that first half. And then in the second half, it turned out to be a Super Bowl for the ages. The way that ended. Who else we got? Jason A-Team, William Stark, Flexen and Steppen. What a little Niners down bad. I love it. Richie MC. Richie's asking if Reddick is... If his agent's making him a diva, I don't think so. And we'll talk about Reddick in, in a little bit. So stay tuned, Richie. Swoop Sirianni in the house. Rob from Temple. Big guy. Tudor McGavin. Bridget Tobin. Wanted me to cancel today because of my voice. But I'm pushing through. Adam's exploits. Who else we got? I'm awake. Donkey butter. <laughs> Some of your names, man. Darlene Harris in the house. Jimmy Torres, and I see a lot of others as well. So I appreciate you if I didn't mention you on TikTok or YouTube. Apologize, but I see you here in the chat, and I appreciate it. Let's talk about this Super Bowl. So the Kansas City Chiefs officially become a dynasty last night. No doubt about it. They have now won three out of the last five Super Bowls. They've won back-to-back. Super Bowls becoming only the eighth franchise to ever do it. The other seven franchises to win back-to-back, Green Bay, Miami, Pittsburgh did it twice. San Francisco, but that was ages ago, Niners fans. You're starting to become like the Cowboys living in the past. The Dallas Cowboys, the Denver Broncos, and the New England Patriots, and now the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've officially become a dynasty. And I tweeted this out last night about Patrick Mahomes. No disrespect to Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT. When we use the moniker GOAT, I think you have to put it on Patrick Mahomes. And I know Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. And now Patrick Mahomes only has three, only has three. But Mahomes is doing things that you just never seen before. 
And I see Slagger57 in the chat saying Mahomes didn't win that game. Where's he at? Mahomes didn't win that game. How could you say Mahomes didn't win that game? Yeah, their, their defense is the reason that they were as good as they were this year. I agree with you. Their defense last night was a big part of why they won that game last night. But did anyone, when Patrick Mahomes got the ball in overtime after the San Francisco 49ers kicked the field goal, did anyone think that Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to take that team 75 yards down the field, score a touchdown, and win the game? That's why he's the GOAT. And I see people on TikTok, Brotherly Shove says, like Tom Brady didn't have amazing defenses. So I don't think, great point, Brotherly Shove. And I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady either. You need a good defense. And Patrick Mahomes had a good defense. But when you look at what Mahomes is doing, we've never seen it before. And this is from coming from someone I respect Tom Brady. I'm not one of these people who says Tom Brady was overrated. No. Tom Brady was incredible. What Tom Brady did winning seven Super Bowls is incredible. But when you look at Patrick Mahomes and what he's doing on an NFL field, this was supposed to be a down year for the Chiefs. You looked at that offense this year. What he was doing with the receivers he was doing it with, And I know there were years Brady was doing it with not a lot of good weapons on offense either, but just amazing. And when he got that ball in overtime, we all knew Mahomes was going down the field to score that touchdown. Absolutely unbelievable. Fourth and one. They keep the ball in Mahomes' hands. Of course, he's picking up the first down. But let's talk a little bit. We're talking about Mahomes being the GOAT. Let's talk about the head coaches. Let's talk about Andy Reid, and let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. Because on 97.5 The Fanatic this weekend, I asked a question about who needed this win more. And clearly, it was the San Francisco 49ers. The Chiefs had already won two Super Bowls. But more importantly than that, I felt that the San Francisco 49ers needed to win this game, one, because of Kyle Shanahan, and two, because of their salary cap situation, which we will talk about in a second. But let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has now been in three Super Bowls, and in all three Super Bowls, had more than a 10-point lead and lost all three. Shanahan needed this, man. Shanahan needed this win. Could you imagine, look, we get on Nick Sirianni in this town, and you guys know my position. Everybody knows my position on Sirianni, that I think he earned the right to come back. But could you imagine if Nick Sirianni didn't have the Eagles prepared for the new overtime rules in overtime in the Super Bowl? Because that's what's being reported now. Andy Reid being the guy who over-prepares, apparently had prepared for the new overtime rules that you saw last night in the Super Bowl in the preseason. They were preparing. 
And there's 49ers players now coming out saying they didn't know what the new overtime rules were. They weren't fully aware of what the new overtime rule was. Because now we can debate, but I personally believe Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the ball to start overtime was a massive mistake. Massive mistake. Because once you took the ball first, and it's also reported that if the Chiefs would have won the toss, they were going to kick. Because once you took the ball first, you now let Patrick Mahomes, who the greatest of all time, in my opinion at this point, you let him and the Kansas City Chiefs know what they had to do. So when the 49ers took the ball and they kicked a field goal, you now gave Patrick Mahomes four downs every single time. On that fourth and one, if they had gotten the ball first, Chiefs may punt there. But you gave Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs the knowledge of knowing we need a first down. We got four downs to get it. We only need a field goal to tie. A touchdown wins it. You have to kick that ball off if you're the 49ers. To me, that was a massive mistake. And I think if that was Nick Sirianni and it was being reported that he didn't have his team prepared for the overtime rules, that he made the decision to kick off to start overtime, we'd be killing him in this town. But for some reason, Kyle Shanahan seems to get a pass. We're talking about a guy who, let's go back to Super Bowl 54. Super Bowl 54, they were up 10 on the Kansas City Chiefs again in the fourth quarter, and they blew it. Go back to Super Bowl 51. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, who were up 28-3 to on the New England Patriots and lost. So Shanahan now, he's been the coach for seven years for the 49ers. Had some playoff success, eight playoff wins, zero Super Bowls, two 10-point leads, lost both Super Bowls. So when I asked the question, who needed this win more? One, it was the San Francisco 49ers because Kyle Shanahan now. How many times is he going to show us that the guy chokes in big moments? His in-game decisions aren't good. And let's go back to last year. Let's go back to the NFC Championship game that all the San Francisco 49ers fans have been whining about for a damn year. Oh, Brock Purdy got hurt. Brock Purdy got hurt because Kyle Shanahan, the genius, decided to block Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. Shanahan is overrated. Overrated. And if that was Nick Sirianni, we'd be killing him today. But let's also talk about the salary cap. Because the best thing for me, and I posted this video on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube before the show. As great as it was watching the 49ers lose last night and watching Debo Samuel walk off the field. The best thing is, is when you look towards the future. 
The 49ers window is closing, and it is closing quickly. Look at the salary cap for next year. The salary cap is estimated to be a little over $242 million. The 49ers are able to carry over about $36 million in cap space from this year. But even carrying over $36 million in cap space, right now, the San Francisco 49ers would have $570,000 available in cap space. Now, that will change, but just to show you how bad that situation is, they have $570,000 available. The NFL average going into this offseason is over $17.6 million in available cap space. The Eagles right now have close to $21 million in available cap space. The Chiefs have close to $24 million in available cap space. And the San Francisco 49ers have $570,000. Their window is closing. And this will be the last season, 2024, that they're going to have Brock Purdy on his rookie deal because he will be able to negotiate a new deal after his third completed season. They're in trouble. They're in a lot of trouble. And you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, close to $21 million, That number's going to go up. They're not paying Kevin Byard a $14 million cap hit next year. They're going to renegotiate that or they're going to cut him. And if they cut Kevin Byard, they save over $13 million on the cap. We now know Hassan Reddick has given permission to seek a trade. Well, his cap hit is close to $22 million. And we'll talk more about Reddick in a second. But just with that alone, you may see this cap space go up to like $50 million for the Philadelphia Eagles. But the San Francisco 49ers, $570,000. The window, it's closing, Niners fans. But let's hear all the excuses. Let's hear all the reasons why you got screwed again. The door is closing on you, my friends, and I love every second of it because it couldn't happen to a better team and a better fan base, the San Francisco 49ers. And they even got lucky, too, because you look at Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, in my opinion, has proven to be more than just a game manager. I know last night he didn't have a great game but he was also going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. So was he great? No. 23 of 38, 255 yards, one touchdown, 89 quarterback rating. But I still think Purdy proved to be this year better than just a game manager. But this is where they got lucky with him. Obviously taking him when they did, but you look. Brock Purdy was taken with the last pick in the draft. Mr. Irrelevant. Because San Francisco drafted him instead of signing him as a rookie free agent, he was one pick away from becoming a rookie free agent. If Purdy had become a rookie free agent and then signed, he would have been eligible to renegotiate his deal after two completed seasons. 
So this offseason, Purdy would be saying, pay me. But because they took him with the last pick in the draft, the rookie contract rules now apply, draft pick rules, and he can't renegotiate until his third season is completed. So they're in cap hell right now with only 570 available. But just wait until after this season when they have to pay Brock Purdy. Sorry, guys. I'm battling a cold here, as you know. So we'll see what happens. And the best part, too, is we learned firsthand in this town the Super Bowl hangover. The Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. And you know I have been preaching this since the season ended as the reason why I think Nick Sirianni deserved to come back. We were asking him to do something that no coach had ever done. No coach had gone to a Super Bowl, lost both coordinators, and got past the divisional round the next year. You know that. We've talked about that at length. But even teams who don't lose both coordinators, there's only been six coaches who have ever got their team back to a Super Bowl after losing it. And it hasn't happened in the NFC in 50 damn years. So you look at this San Francisco 49ers team and the devastation of losing the way that they did. I can't wait to watch the San Francisco 49ers experience the Super Bowl hangover again because they experienced it after Super Bowl 54. They didn't even make the playoffs the year after they lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs a few years ago. And I know they had injuries to key players, but that's all part of it. So I can't wait to sit back and watch this San Francisco 49ers team in the last year that they will have Brock Purdy on his rookie deal, experience that hangover. And it's going to be so enjoyable to watch that team fall apart and to watch the window completely close on this 49ers crew. And I see people in the chat agreeing with me. And listen, we're not haters. I know Niners fans are going to be like, oh, you guys are just haters. No, we're not haters. You earned this hate. You brought this upon yourselves with all of the trash talking and all of the whining and all of the excuses that you have been making over the last year. You've brought this upon yourselves. We didn't have problems with the 49ers. I didn't have any problems with the San Francisco 49ers before this past season. I didn't put you on the level of hate that I have for the Cowboys. I had no problem with the 49ers. But you brought this upon yourselves with what you've done over the last year and the fact that you keep doing it. Nick Bosa couldn't even help himself this week having to say that the Eagles purposely put construction outside your hotel. Come on, man. Anybody that's been to Philadelphia, we can't even get a damn pothole fixed. And you think we're coordinated enough to put construction outside your hotel room? Please. You brought this upon yourself, and we're all going to love watching you experience that hangover next year. And that's good news for the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at the San Francisco 49ers. You look at the fact that they have to overcome the hangover. You look at the fact that their salary cap is in trouble. Good news for the Eagles. 
Because as of right now, the Eagles have the eighth best odds. This is before free agency, before the draft. Eagles have the eighth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Fourth best in the NFC. You have 49ers, number one, Chiefs, number two, Ravens, then the Lions, then the Bills, then the Cowboys, the Bengals, and the Eagles. While I'm spewing my hate for the 49ers, let's talk about the Cowboys for a sec. Because no coach in NFL history has ever won a Super Bowl for two franchises. Do we really think that Mike McCarthy is going to be the first coach in NFL history to lead two franchises to a Super Bowl, and he's going to do it with those Dallas Cowboys? Come on, man. So things are looking bright, in my opinion, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're going to talk when we get back because I know a lot of people freaking out about the Hassan Reddick news that the Eagles have granted him permission to seek a trade. If you follow me, if you watch this show, you shouldn't be surprised. We talked about this two weeks ago. I posted a video about this two damn weeks ago. It wasn't a surprise to me that they have a problem with his contract, that he has a problem with his contract. We knew he wasn't happy with the contract before last season. But what I said is if you looked at his cap hit going into 2024, the Eagles weren't going to be happy with it either. So they were going to have to agree to an extension. But the problem was, and the thing to look out for, was if he wanted to be paid like the big-time edge rushers in the league and the Eagles didn't want to pay him that, there could be an issue. And now here we are. It's not a surprise. I didn't understand. Oh, people were shocked on Twitter yesterday. It wasn't a shock. We talked about this two weeks ago on this show. So I want to dive more into Hassan Reddick. We'll take a look at some of these other cap issues for the Eagles. But the Eagles are going to be in a good place when it comes to the cap. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Jason Kelsey because I do think he indicated kind of how he's leaning with some of the things he said. So we'll talk about Jason Kelsey. We'll do a little Sixers, little Flyers. This is the Philly Sports Power Hour. I'm Bill Calarulo. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. See, we take the breaks on YouTube. We don't take breaks on TikTok. So I was chatting with some of the TikTok crew over here. So it's interesting because we've got some Cowboys fans in the chat down here. But I was telling the Cowboys fans, you're welcome today. You're welcome to be here on a Philly sports show because as much as we hate the Cowboys, What's the old expression? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So at least today, Cowboys and Eagles fans, we could be friends. Because I know the Cowboys fans also enjoyed watching the 49ers lose last night. So this may be the only day that I will say to our Cowboys friends that you are friends. Tomorrow, get the hell out. But today, welcome, Cowboys fans. But we were talking on TikTok about Kyle Shanahan because somebody said that the 49ers blew that game. And before the break, we talked a little bit about it, too. It's just I thought that was a massive, massive mistake by Kyle Shanahan taking the ball to start overtime. And now that we're hearing that some of the players said they weren't aware of what these new overtime rules were, do we have confidence that Shanahan understood what the rules were? Because, yes, in previous overtimes, it was a no-brainer that if you won the toss, you took the ball because you gave yourself a chance to come down the field. If you guys remember the old, old rule, a field goal could win the game. Then they switched it that a field goal would give the other team a possession, but a touchdown would end the game. And then they switched it 
one step further, which was even a touchdown, the other team gets an opportunity. So I see people asking medicine. It's just a cough drop to keep the uh, throat lubricated until I can get through the show. I'm battling through for you guys, man. I'm playing injured today. But once you knew that no matter what happened on the opening drive, even if you would have kicked off and Mahomes brought it down the field and scored a touchdown, that you were going to get the ball back, to me, it's a no-brainer to kick off. Because now you know what you need. You know if you're in four-down territory every time you get the ball. They gave Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes a huge advantage, a huge advantage by taking the damn ball. Mahomes is already the best. He's already the GOAT. You know he's probably going to be able to come down the field anyway, but once you made it, hey, Patrick, you got four downs anywhere on the field to get a first. Patrick, a touchdown wins you the game. They made it so much easier on the Chiefs. That was a mistake on Kyle Shanahan's part. And I've heard some people arguing that it wasn't a mistake and they understood why he took the ball. <clears throat> no way. You can't convince me otherwise. That was a mistake. Not when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side. And if you are going to take the ball first and you get it that close, see, I was going to say, you know, maybe you have to go for a touchdown, but you put yourself in such a tough spot. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. You put yourself in touch. You put yourself in such a tough spot because now you don't know. You get down there, and it's okay if we kick a field goal. Yes, we take the lead, but we're giving the ball to Mahomes, and all he needs is a touchdown to win. So, do you go for it? Do you stay aggressive? Does Shanahan stay aggressive? I, I thought Shanahan. Look, I've gotten on Dan Campbell for being reckless. Not being aggressive, but reckless. But I felt Shanahan sometimes was too conservative. I'm glad he went for it on fourth down at one point last night. But he does play too conservatively. But this is why when we talked about before, like some coaches are made to be coordinators and other coaches are made to be head coaches. I'm not sure Shanahan should be a head coach. Great offensive coordinator. Great at designing plays. But some of his in-game decisions as a head coach are probably the reason why he's blown two 10-point leads in Super Bowls. So, I don't know. I'm starting to think Shanahan's overrated. And I know people are disagreeing. I see some people agreeing. But I think he's overrated. And I don't say, Shooter McGavin saying, what a ridiculous take. What's the ridiculous take? What's the ridiculous take? That Shanahan's overrated? What has he done? What's the ridiculous take, Shooter? He wasn't the head coach of Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta blew the 28-3 lead. Let's remove that one. <coughs> He's blown two 10-point leads in Super Bowls, dude. Two. Super Bowl 54, the 49ers were up 10 in the fourth quarter. They blew the lead. You're getting me worked up, Shooter. So, look, if Shooter McGavin is a 49ers fan and you want Kyle Shanahan, then keep him. 
<laughs> Remember, Shanahan was also the guy who decided to block Hassan Reddick last year with a backup tight end and knocked Brock Purdy out. You want to blame that on the reason you lost the NFC Championship game? That's all we heard for a damn year. Oh, well, if we had a healthy Brock Purdy, you didn't have a healthy Brock Purdy because of Kyle Shanahan, because of the genius, I guess, that you think he is, decided to block him with a backup tight end. So you tell me, what does Shanahan want, man? What does he want? How's it a ridiculous take that you think he's such a great head coach? So, well, good luck. We'll see how good of a head coach he is trying to overcome the Super Bowl hangover. That's a real thing. He couldn't overcome it after Super Bowl 54. Here's Big Sills checking in. Shanahan would work great in Philly. He does great at coming in second place, just like you guys. Come on, Big Sills. I agree with you that he does great coming in second, but come on, we're we're trying to feel good today as Eagles fans. We're trying to take some solace in the fact that even though we weren't there, we watched the 49ers crumble. Come on, you can't take a shot at us now. Love Big Sills, though. He's always going to bring the heat. All right, but let's talk about Hassan Reddick for a second because <coughs> – a lot of fans were surprised by this, and I told you you shouldn't have been surprised. We talked about this two weeks ago on this show. If you follow me, I posted videos about this. I knew this was coming. Not a shock. Hassan Reddick wasn't happy before the season about his contract. He thought he was underpaid. He signed a three-year, $45 million deal two years ago. And you look at some of the upper echelon pass rushers in this league, Reddick was making about $15 million a year. Those guys are making $25, 28000000 million a year. You look at the last four seasons, only two players have more than 11 sacks in all four years. Hassan Reddick and Miles Garrett. So I don't think Reddick is on Miles Garrett's level. I like Hassan Reddick. I think Reddick is a very good player, but I don't think he's on Miles Garrett's level. But if Reddick thinks he's on Miles Garrett's level and Reddick wants to be paid like Miles Garrett, I don't want the Eagles to pay him like Miles Garrett. I don't think he's as good as Miles Garrett. So I like what the Philadelphia Eagles just did because here's the problem Miles Garrett. Oh, I'm being told by the producer that's not Big Sills, but that's a fake Big Sills in the chat. Is that true? We got a fake Big Sills in the chat? <laughs> it's a fake Big Sills in the chat. I love it. All right. But anyway, the problem with Reddick's deal is, one, he's unhappy with it. But the other problem is, you look at his cap hit. In 2023, Hassan Reddick's cap hit was only $6.9 million. In 2024, that cap hit balloons to close to $22 million. So this is why when I looked at the contract two weeks ago, I said this is going to be a problem because 
we knew Reddick wanted a new deal. But when you saw how the cap hit was going to balloon, you also now knew that the Eagles want to give him a new deal. Neither side wanted him coming back on that contract. So then what happens? How do you get around that? You have to agree to an extension. And that was my concern because what was Reddick going to want to be paid? And if he wanted to be paid like Miles Garrett, the Eagles weren't going to do that. So I do believe the Eagles would like to keep Hassan Reddick if they can come to an agreement on a reasonable deal that will lower his cap hit, extend him, put more money in his pocket, then he'll be back. But I'm okay with this decision because here's what you do if you're the Eagles. You say to Hassan Reddick, you want to be paid like Miles Garrett. Well, we are now going to give you permission to seek a trade. Because now what he'll do is they're going to test the market. His agent will test the market. And if there's a team that's willing to give him $25, $30 million a year, well, now the Eagles will talk to them about trade compensation. And more importantly, about how it will work to relieve the Eagles of that big cap hit. Because anything the Eagles do before June 1st, they still have a dead cap of $21 million. They don't save any money if Reddick gets traded right now without any adjustment in his contract, the cap savings aren't there. If they do it post-June 1st, they would save about $15 million on the cap. Actually, $16 million they would save. So whatever happens, the Eagles will either have to do it with a post-June 1 designation, which I don't think they're going to want to wait to do, or they're going to have to figure out how they structure the new contract and the trade to maximize the cap savings. But what's possible here, what's very possible, is that Reddick goes and he tests the market and he finds out what his market value is. And if that number isn't insanely high, then he comes back to the Eagles and maybe the Eagles and Reddick can agree to an extension that both sides are happy with. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Reddick is gone. I don't think fans should be shocked by this at all. And I also don't agree with the narrative that Reddick wants out because of the direction of the Eagles or Reddick wants out because of how he was utilized last year. I don't buy any of that. This is contractual. This is about money. This was obvious. We knew this was coming. And maybe he's here. And maybe he's not. And the only way he's not here is if he wants to be paid $25, 30000000 million a year. And if that's the case, then I'm okay. As much as I like Reddick, I'm okay if the Eagles are able to recoup some draft capital back and really save on the cap. But if they do that and they move on from Reddick, Something needs to be done at the edge because they were already short-handed on the edge. They already didn't have depth like we thought we would. Nolan Smith, rookie last year. I'm not writing him off after his rookie season, but we don't know what we have in Nolan Smith. We're not sure if Nolan Smith 
is going to be a stud or not. We just don't know. And then you also have Josh Sweat. Well, guess what? Josh Sweat is also entering the final year of his deal. His cap hit is nowhere near as bad as Reddick's, though. He goes from 5.8 to 9.1. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see them extend Sweat to lower that cap because he's in the final year. But outside of that, you have Nolan Smith, Josh Sweat, Patrick Johnson, who was really just a special teamer this year. And then you have nobody under contract right now. I know BG wants to come back, but he only gave you about 30% of the snaps last year. Probably he's going to give you even less if he comes back next year. So whatever the Eagles do, they need to do something on the edge. There are some free agents where, hey, if the Eagles could do something with Reddick, trade him, save some cap space with how creative Howie likes to be in signing these free agents and pushing the can down the road, just like he did with Reddick, maybe they bring in one of these big free agent names on the edge. Van Ginkle's available, who played for Fangio in Miami. I think Josh Allen from Jacksonville's available. So let's not panic yet on the edge, because I think with the way the Eagles and Howie Roseman value their edge rushers, they will do something. A little bit different than linebacker. I want to see them change this philosophy and bring in some linebackers this offseason, but I'm not as worried. I think they'll figure something out on the edge. And just sticking with these contracts here, you look at Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard's cap hit this past season was only $1.7 million. That goes up to $14.25 million next year. No way he's back under that deal. And the nice thing is, even moving on from him pre-June 1st saves you $13 million on the cap. His dead cap hit, if you cut him, is only $1.39. So what's going to happen with Kevin Byard is they're going to go to him and they're basically going to say, we agree to a new deal or you're getting cut. It's the NFL, man. It's a business. So hopefully, I'm okay with Bayard coming back, not on that deal. But if he's willing to agree to take a massive pay cut, bring him back. But again, if he wants to be paid, I'm not doing it. This team needs to get younger. So outside of that, though, the Eagles are in really good shape when you look at the salary cap. Let's see if I have this up. San Francisco, listen to this. Because this is what I talk about when I say the 49ers are getting into cap hell. Right now, you look at the Eagles. They have Hassan Reddick, who has a $21.8 million cap hit, which he won't have next year because they're going to agree on something. Then you have Lane Johnson, $16 million. He's not going anywhere. Kevin Byard, 14 No way he plays on that. So really, you look, the highest salary cap hit that the Eagles will have next year is Lane Johnson at $16 million. And I talked about it last week on the show. If you weren't here, I'll remind you. Jalen Hurts' contract is not a problem. Everyone hears the $255 million and goes crazy. Oh, he's making $255. It's all about the cap hit. And right now, Jalen Hurts in 2024 only has a $13.5 million cap hit. There are 18 quarterbacks with higher cap hits than Jalen Hurts. Deshaun Watson, $64 million. 
Dak Prescott, if our Cowboys fans are here, 59 million. Mahomes, 57 million. Kyler Murray, 52 million. Matt Stafford, 49 and a half million. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, 47 million. And there's a bunch of others. So Hertz's contract isn't a problem. So I told you the only person who really has a high cap hit that's going to be on this team would be Lane Johnson, 16. Listen to the cap hits for these 49ers players next year. Trent Williams, 31.5. Debo Samuel, 28.6. Eric Armstead, 28.3. Fred Warner, 24.4. George Kittle, 22 million. Charvarius Ward, 17.9. Javon Hargrave, 15.4. Nick Bosa, 14.7. Christian McCaffrey, 14.1. Brandon Ayuk, 14.1. Every single one of those players has a higher cap hit next year than Jalen Hurts does on the Eagles. And Lane Johnson's cap hit's only 16. And I see Hollywood Hogan saying they're not paying Purdy yet. Great. They're not paying Purdy yet. They have to pay Purdy after this coming season. He will be eligible for a new deal next offseason. And even without paying Purdy this year, you only have $570,000 available on the cap. Five seventy. The league average is over $17 million available. The Eagles have over $21 million available. And they're going to have even more when they move on from these players. So good luck. And Hollywood Hogan's all excited because they have 11 draft picks. Have the 49ers proven that they can really draft well? I don't know. They've made some mistakes at quarterback. I know they've drafted some other players. But good luck. Good luck with that cap. Good luck with the Super Bowl hangover, man. Because we're all going to look forward to seeing the 49ers crash and burn next season. All right, but let's talk about another veteran on this team. Jason Kelsey. Because I talked about it on the show last week. I actually talked about it on my 97.5 The Fanatic show this weekend, and somebody called and actually was moved to tears about Jason Kelsey because I was talking about how as much as I love Kelsey, and I talked about this on this show last week, as much as I love Kelsey, I just don't think the Eagles have the luxury of paying a center that much money. I'd rather see them take you know, over $10 million in cap space that you would save by not having Kelsey here next year and putting that towards your defense. But somebody called up, started crying about how much they love Kelsey. And I agree, I love Kelsey too, but you have to put the emotion aside. And there's that old saying that it's better to move on from a player a year early than a year too late. And one of these times when Kelsey comes back, it's going to be that year too late. But I don't think we're even going to have to make that decision. Because I feel that Jason Kelsey has already started to hint as to how he's leaning. And I know he's saying all the right things and he's still thinking about it. But he was on Chris Long's podcast, the Greenlight Podcast, down at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And I talked about this this weekend. I played the clip on on the air on The Fanatic. But he used the words they and their and referred to the Eagles in third person so many times. I've never heard him do that before. Whenever he talked about the Eagles, it was always we. 
us. He kept referring to the Eagles in third person. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm just looking too deep into this. And then it gets reported that Kelsey met with Fox, ESPN, and Amazon Prime about his post-football career. I am telling you, he is done. Kelsey is not coming back next year. And I love Kelsey. He's a legend. I'm hopeful he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in the NFL. I will love him forever. But I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it for him as a person. And I'm okay with it for this Eagles football team because I think we need that money and we need to put it elsewhere. We have to get younger. And to take it a step further, I'm okay with Fletcher Cox going and I'm okay with Brandon Graham going. Love all three of those guys. We'll always love all three of them. But I'm okay with all of them retiring or moving on. We need to get younger. We need to put that money elsewhere. So, not sure if you guys agree with me on that or not, but we will see. But let's also, real quick, before we end the show, because we're running out of time here, just want to jump over to our Sixers and our Flyers. So, the Sixers, they make a move, bringing in Kyle Lowry, hometown kid, not a kid anymore, 38 years old, six-time All-Star. What does he have left in the tank? Is he going to help move the needle for this team? I don't think so. None of this is going to matter if Joel's not healthy anyway. But look, Maxie and Buddy Heald in the backcourt looked okay. They played a really bad Washington Wizards team. They finally win a game, snap a four-game losing streak. But So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Joel Embiid comes back and if he's healthy. I just don't think they have the horses to beat the Celtics or the Bucs, even though Doc Rivers coaches the Bucs. I just don't think they could beat them. But we'll talk more Sixers on Wednesday when Kayla Santiago joins the show. She always does a great job covering the Sixers. But then we got our fly guys. And our fly guys are hot right now. Third win in a row. 3-0 and since the All-Star break. Love watching this team play. They play so hard under John Tortorella. Lead the league in shorthanded goals, which is awesome. Travis Konechny playing well. Couturier with the game winner the other day. They're back in action tonight. But the problem is, and I don't really know if I want to describe it as a problem, but when the trade deadline comes, they're going to be sellers. Now, I don't think they're going to completely blow up the team. They're going to keep the young nucleus. But we've heard from Danny Breyer, we've heard from John Tortorella, they're not going to make the mistake that the Flyers have made in previous years, which is going all in on one season. That's how we've gotten in trouble as an organization in the past. So they're going to put everything with the mindset of what makes us better in the future. So I'm hopeful that they don't completely get rid of enough pieces where, hey, we don't even make the playoffs because I want some playoff hockey. Selfishly, I want some playoff hockey in South Philly this spring. But don't be upset if some of these guys that we're starting to like and love in a Flyers uniform are sent packing at the trade deadline if the right assets come back because this Flyers organization has their eyes on the future, which is the smart decision. It's just going to hurt a little bit if it doesn't get them into the playoffs because I want to see playoff hockey again. And speaking of hockey, 
We'll do our little today in sports history because this one involves the NHL. Today in sports history, and we end every show like this if you don't know. February 12th, 1982, Wayne Gretzky set the NHL record with 153 points. Now, he went on. He had beat. That was beating Phil Esposito's record from about 11 years earlier. And that season, Wayne Gretzky went on to not only score 153, but all the way up to 212 points. And the only person that ever beat 212 was Wayne Gretzky, four years later, put up 215. And you look at the NHL stats. Wayne Gretzky right now has the top four highest points in a season, which is insane. He's got the top eight out of the top ten, eight out of the top ten seasons with the most points in league history. Absolutely incredible, man. But he set the record and kept the record February 12th, 1982. The great one, Wayne Gretzky. Well, I appreciate everybody. Make sure you're following me on all your social media platforms. You know, we post daily content. And I used to only post daily Eagles content, but now we're posting daily content about all our Philly sports. So make sure you're following me everywhere, Bill Calarulo. And follow me on Twitter if you're on there as well. But we'll be back here tomorrow on the Philly Sports Power Hour. I'm going to try to do my legal hands to the face show tonight. (coughs) See, that's why I say try. (coughs) I'm going to try to do it tonight at 6. So you'll see if we do that or not. (coughs) But I appreciate everybody. Make sure you hit that like button. I'm going to go get some rest. But as always, guys, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.